episode two, The Consultant. In this episode, I'm talking to Aurelia Galvelite, a good friend of mine that I met in 2007 during our physiotherapy education. Aurelia studied and worked in different parts of the world. Together with it, our bachelor's degree in Amsterdam. After working for a few years as a physio in Amsterdam, Aurelia moved to London and obtained her master's in global health and development at UCL London. During this period, she co-founded an NGO called Developing Physio, with a focus of empowering local communities in resource-poor settings in Africa and Southeast Asia by training them basic and safe rehabilitation skills. In 2016, Aurelia moved to Milan, where she got her second master's degree in management and sustainability at the renowned Bocconi University. After that, she started working as a consultant and project manager for Zambon, an international pharmaceutical company. There, she manages the Open Accelerator for life science corporate startups. At the Accelerator, Aurelia scouts and helps to accelerate health tech startups, primarily focused on Parkinson's and, respir and respiratory diseases. In this episode, we talk about how COVID-19 affects her daily work and the evolution of startup companies. Aurelia shares her ideas and expectations of the current and future developments within digital health space and implications of how we will be receiving and delivering healthcare. Enjoy. Well, hi Aurelia. Nice to hi. talk to you today. Thank you for your time and joining me on this talk today. How is it going? Thank you for inviting. I'm very excited. It's good to see you as well. I feel we you know, we don't see each other physically, so this is a great way to reconnect again. Definitely, like digital is the new normal. Oh yeah, it's... absolutely, absolutely. So really, tell us about your background. How did we know each other, where we met? Because a lot of people know us, but it's not clear for everybody. Sure. Um, so, well, I entered healthcare space as a physiotherapist together as, uh, with you, where we studied at the uh, European School of Physiotherapy in Amsterdam. Yeah. And then I, after that, I worked for a couple of years as a self-employed physiotherapist here in Amsterdam. And at some point I thought, okay, I'd like to move on and I'd like to study more, especially the uh, public health related topics. So I went on to London to get my master's in uh, global health and development. But of course, our connection remained <laughs> strong throughout these uh, moves, changing different countries, changing different jobs, you know, moving from one side to the other. But uh, yeah, I'm grateful for that, that even today at uh, these crazy times, we're still uh, very well connected. Um, so yeah, um, after graduating from my master's, I joined the um, Developing Physio. It is an NGO that is focused on training uh, very resource poor um, communities in developing countries, basic rehabilitation skills. So what we do, we, we go to uh, African or Southeast Asian countries and we find local communities that would need some kind of help uh, dealing with different healthcare issues uh, from cerebral palsy to amputations to stroke. And then we provide them very basic, safe, uh, exercises and techniques, we teach them that, uh, and in that way they can at least have something to improve the livelihoods of, of the people that they uh, have within their communities. So I, I did that for a while, and again, I remember you were a very big supporter of that, uh, supporter of that um, 
Um, and eventually, actually, it, it was a very fulfilling project, but I thought I'd like to move on to something more uh, business oriented. Um, and that's how I uh, moved to Milan and I completed my second master in uh, where I started to think more and more about entrepreneurship. Aurelia, you just fell, uh, you just uh, disconnected for quickly. Which master did you do in Milan? Sorry, uh, I was saying I did the, well, it was a master related to management and business. And this was the time when I got interested into entrepreneurship concept. And again, in parallel, I saw you as a very clear uh, study case, because at the time you were also setting up your business and, you know, uh, going for it with full passion and perseverance. And, and for me, it, it resonated very well because I had the theory and I saw the practice, you implementing it naturally. And after that, I joined um, Startup Accelerator. Uh, that's where I work now as well. So just to explain a little bit how that works, um, I work for Open Accelerator, which is a corporate startup accelerator from Zambon. Zambon is an international uh, pharmaceutical company specialized in medication for Parkinson's and uh, respiratory diseases mostly, but not all. Uh, we do a lot of research in other um, topics as well. Um, and at this uh, accelerator, I scout for, select, assess, and accelerate uh, startups mostly in digital health space. So digital health, wearables, big data, um, artificial intelligence technologies, all kind of related uh, technologies. Um, after uh, selection procedure, the best 10, 9, 10 startups usually enter uh, accelerator where they get three months. It depends because sometimes we keep them for three months, sometimes shorter, sometimes longer, uh, where they get approximately three months of very intensive, very focused, tailor-made uh, um, workshops, mentoring sessions, coaching from our international pool of experts. So it can be from, let's say, legal perspective or regulatory, because as we know, Digital health has a lot of regulatory requirements today. If you really want to have digital application used as a therapeutic uh, application, for example, you have to go through a lot of uh, approvals, uh, clinical studies and whatnot. So this, this kind of coaching is very important for our startups as well. And or of course, now even, more than... Sorry? Sorry, and of course now more actual and more needed than ever before, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, or it, it can also be, I don't know, for example, we have a lot of um, investors, venture capitalists in our network where they provide support to our startups also in terms of uh, fundraising or term sheet negotiation, questions like that. So it's a very nice um, ecosystem for startups and research projects to grow. And I, I really love this part because, you know, I not only get the chance to work with uh, the most passionate, the most uh, talented, motivated innovators that really have this mission to improve healthcare delivery, but actually I, I also see what is at the front line of innovation, which is, I think, is very, very exciting. And I also help them to 
scale up to the next level. We, and this is the most part because you see young researchers entering the program and when they exit, they are ready to really implement and deploy their technologies. So yeah, this is the, the cool thing about it. Um, yeah. And I remember we were once sitting in Milan and having a coffee and uh, we were waiting for somebody and there was the Forbes magazine lying and it was a special edition with like all the young entrepreneurs under a certain age and you were like, oh, there is actually two in the list. Uh, it was even like the most successful or richest ones and it was like clearly that you said, oh, there is two that are actually my protégés to say it like yeah, this, yeah, which, yeah, was, yeah. which was amazing oh, to hear the story. Right. Yeah, because... Um, it was, I think, the innovators that are transforming the healthcare, yeah, something like that. I think so. And, and we had a startup that indeed was just graduated from our program. At the time, they were called Corticare, now they're called Caura. And it was a very cool technology where they were trying to just by taking samples of saliva, uh, do uh, hormonal uh, analysis. Yeah for athletes. At the time, we didn't focus mostly on uh, respiratory and, and Parkinson's, but it was a general call that we were running. And so we thought the startup was very innovative, indeed, very, very uh, groundbreaking uh, technology. And so the, they were indeed included in the in the list. So I was kind of, I had this proud moment of uh, you know, like a, a parent. Of course, and I can imagine that must be amazing with your job because with all your skills, because you just don't have a master in economy, you have like the practical field, you did a lot of traveling yourself with the work with the NGO, what you just explained, with your physio experience, with two masters. I mean, that is just like amazing. And yeah, if ever I need explanation or advice where I'm just like, I'm stuck, I'm happy to talk to you because your field the way you look at things is just a different thing right because and it yeah, must be I, so I, amazing well, thanks for that um thank you for that i i think i this is maybe why i appreciate our relationship so much because i see you also as a almost like a sparing where i you know where we get together and we discuss okay how can we bring the healthcare delivery to another level yeah and i i came to realize especially through talking to you that, you know, no matter how good the technology is or no matter how many PhDs a therapist has, what it really comes to when it comes to making a difference in, in people's lives, patients' lives, is really your human touch. Yeah. The interpersonal skills, the ability to relate to the patient, the empathy that you feel. And, you know, sometimes I hear also on the in the technology ecosystem where they say, well, there is a lot of resistance from healthcare practitioners, doctors towards technology. And they say, well, you know, I don't want to lose my job because the robots will take over. And I'm saying, well, if you think robot can take over your job, you deserve to be replaced by yeah, a robot. I agree. Because you completely miss the key essence of, of what it is to provide good healthcare. I think, you know, I'm glad about um, digital health progress and, and I'm glad where the technology is going. At the same time, what the key uh, concept that prevails is the uh, human touch, Yeah. is, is the dedication of a therapist. Yeah. And I think this human touch uh, concept is also what I very clearly see 
in your business, for example, you know, starting from, I don't know, the way you select the towels to the way you deliver your care. There is always attention to individual first. Yeah. There's always this thought of care at the back of your mind. Yeah, and, and as we talked before, I mean, I am giving, uh, I'm being asked to help uh, to give some classes for the for the school we did for the European School of Physiotherapy mm. regarding entrepreneurship. And we also really said to the students, make sure you are innovative and use the shift that we're forced to do to go towards technology. Because I see it with daily life that physiotherapists and other uh, healthcare providers, they're resisting a lot to technology because they just got away with their normal routine. And I am like, yeah, look, what I'm doing now here, this is all new and I have to learn how to use all the audio stuff, how to use, you know, the recordings. But you learn and you progress, right? And and it opens new doors. And I think uh, this is the only way forward. You have to be able to adopt. Yeah. If you want to survive, not only survive, but if you want to thrive, really, and, and, you know, remaining honest to yourself, but also providing the best care that you can provide, you have to be able to adopt because we all are moving ahead. And, and I think those who stick and hold on to the, we always have done it this way yeah. approach will be the first to disappear. Yeah. Because also if we think about patient today, it is not the same patient like 10 years ago. Yeah. I remember the first, when, when, I, when I was still practicing, I remember receiving patients who would say, well, I read on Google that I have this and this, so this is what you have to do to help me. And I, I remember being upset because I thought, okay, well, I studied, I, I worked really hard to achieve this degree, to you know be where I am now, and I I know better than you, right? But today, when I see the other side of the healthcare uh, innovation, I really see how important this is that patients are also questioning yeah. patients take uh, responsibility over their health care that they i don't want to say demand but at least that they arrive to your clinic in form uh, and and they know uh, what is going on and what maybe they don't arrive with diagnosis obviously but at least they know you know this these are my rights this is the information i have what can you give me what, how can you support me the best and Again, these type of patients will not go to the clinics who say, oh, we always done it, we always done it this way, so we continue this way. Yeah. They will come to places like yours where you also educate them, right? Where you say you use the technology to, to provide holistic approach to them. Yeah. And I also think it's it's what, what I see and this might be a generational thing or now a new shift with the current situation, but I think the, yeah, I, I swear on education because I see it with, with regular clients or with the athletes I work with or when you see again with the students, you need to really be critical and I guess, I mean, you have done two master's study, you know you're being hammered on to like you have to be critical, right? Because I also say to my clients, if Dr. A says one thing and you're not trusting it from your gut feeling, well, doctors, they are doctors for sure. But if you're not trusting it, go and have a second opinion. And the same for a therapist, because I see in my connection and in my network that I'm like, a lot of therapists say like, no, 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 I can try to fix it all. And I don't have a master degree or such an extended specialization. I have a few different um specialization courses but I'm like I don't know everything 
And if I don't know, then I'm very happy. Or if I know this is not my expertise, I send people through to somebody else. Because I'm like, why are we not working together and creating this like overall healthcare system, which of course there is a lot of different interests as money as like other yeah things because also recently we talked about you told me like hey I have this idea what about this and this and I was like yeah in theory it sounds nice but there is also insurance companies there is doctors Mm -hmm. there is hospitals a lot of different parties have different interests and a lot of times and I don't know if you can confirm that in the practical business side of you that's where it goes wrong because two strong parties have a too strong opinion and they don't want to help you or they want to push their own way Absolutely. Um, I I can only agree to that. Um, And I think what you say is right, that uh, educating the patient also about the options is is very important. And and patients are uh, understanding this as well, because um, also they have so many choices today. You know, there are many clinics, there are many starting from alternative therapies to very traditional therapies to, uh, how you call them, the uh, paratherapies? Yeah, paramedics, yeah. Paramedic classifications. The choices are overwhelming. There there are so many choices. And, And I think this is where information is vital. It becomes really the key. Um, and of course, what you say, if patient doesn't feel that he's being she or he being treated right or it doesn't match his beliefs or his intuition or or it's it's always good to go in and find another uh, specialist also healthcare providers need to remain honest yeah the health, good healthcare provision means also honest yeah honesty absolutely towards your own capabilities honesty towards the patient honesty towards the colleagues as well and, and I think when we have this very central in our, uh, in the way we operate, uh, only then we can really excel to another level. And what you say, I, I love what you say, to really create an ecosystem, you know, to, to provide healthcare uh, in a united way, to, to really, and, and I love the, also the, the new innovative concepts now that I see coming by, for example, of integrated care, where you have, Parkinson's disease patient and you have different specialists around you uh, also including yourself as a uh, decision maker yeah. also including your direct uh, mantle or your direct uh, relatives or carers yeah. from your environment and only in this way when you involve everybody you can provide the best care yeah. of course this is where technology comes into place because to coordinate all of this, to analyze all the data that you collect, to also uh, understand what can be done better, to calculate the cost, to calculate the benefits, you need to know. So I think that this is a very beautiful way of, um, yeah, of of entering a new, new new phase of healthcare delivery and i think we always knew communication is key and also like the technology right what you also probably meant before there is a lot of privacy issues right because i think like also for us we see it in the daily practice we we cannot just use and also for example now as a daily uh, physiotherapist life where i'm actually working from home and i can give online consultations i cannot just like zoom with you i can give you a training program but if it's really about medical information i need to have 
a certain software which guarantees me and my client the privacy, which is of course crucial and very important. And But then again, if the technology evolves and we're all willing to help, because I think us as caretakers and us as the healthcare professionals, we need to give the input, what's needed to the healthcare, but to the technology people, because they have the idea but if it's too complicated, we cannot implement it and vice versa. Because now, yeah. if you say you have this Parkinson patient and he needs to be taken care by his family because he cannot go to his therapist if he's still at home, um, then the communication is key. And if somebody can be instructed with an amazing application or a website or calls, well, then it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I agree with you. And I think... Um, it, it is really, again, the asking for feedback, iterating, yeah. pivoting sometimes and going ahead as well. Yeah. And this is clearly where, uh, well, job that I do or that is done with accelerators is, is very important because we not only look at the technology and the potential of the technology, we actually um, confront the developers or the innovators or the geniuses behind the technology with reality of the healthcare provision of the specialists who are really interacting with yeah. patients day on daily basis, uh, be it nurses, doctors, uh, physiotherapists, whatever. So in this way, we can really understand what is needed from the field, uh, from the grassroots and, and what is being developed and yeah. how can this merge into creating something uh, ready to be used for the patient. Yeah. Uh, and privacy plays a big role in this. And, and I think um, I'm happy that, you know, with GDPR uh, regulation, we are moving ahead in terms of really structuring what is private and what is not, because a couple of years ago, it was very blurred situation where you couldn't really understand and it was enough to sign a consent yeah. or even pick like a little tick uh, online and, and that was fine. Now, if you're providing healthcare, you cannot go by like that. So I'm very happy about that, that we finally starting to understand what should be protective, what, what is dangerous to not be protected and so on. At the same time, this is one of the hurdles what has been restricting uh, digital health deployment because the requirements and the compliance issues that you have to deal with if you have a, a digital health application for example that you want to give to patients to use is incredible yeah and then of course you come also to the second challenge which is the funding who will pay for it will it be the patient who will pay for it will it be insurances who will pay for it uh you know will it be corporations that will buy the technology and give it to their employees as a benefit for example so it, it's also nice to witness uh different business models absolutely emerging. yeah and I, I have to say that for example germany has been uh very progressive on this space because they have the since the beginning of this year they have the new digital health act mm -hmm. where they can reimburse uh startups who have digital health uh, applications. That's amazing. So it, yeah. it will be reimbursed by the uh, National Health yeah. Service. And, and this is amazing indeed, because imagine how much it can scale and, and help to advance. Of course, there are still a lot of regulations, yeah. uh, sorry, regulations attached to it, yeah. but it is a big step forward yeah. compared to, for example, 
other countries. And if we look at the US or China, that's why digital health there is so much more deployed everywhere because of these kind of incentives and, and financial support. And I mean, how beautiful would it be? And obviously nobody knows where this is all going to go now from the current situation. But I'm like, how beautiful would it be if we can connect what you say, like the, the, the face-to-face work and, you know, the, the empathy and, and just the feeling, talking and treating a client, but also having a bit of a 50-50 world. Because I think we can, if both would be implemented, I mean, from other colleagues of mine in other healthcare fields, they say like, well, they tried to implement digital health or telehealth before, but clients were saying like, no, if you're on vacation or in for a conference, I wait until you're back. And now they're like, oh, I should have done it earlier because this actually works so i think and i read i think i also sent you this article of this of this person that i know that that works in uh, in australia and innovative companies and she was also saying uh, i saw it on linkedin where she said like actually we don't wait for the future for technology we are in the future now and we need to act now because we're in the middle of it and it's now on us to to go for it Absolutely. And I, I think that um, even the Chinese pre- president uh, at the be- beginning of the outbreak, he said, uh, Xiping, he said, um, we cannot face the pandemic without the help of science and technology. And I see it very clearly because, um, <laughs> well, the, what, what, what we have been lobbying for and advocating related to digital health for years has been accelerated so much recently by the pandemic, the deployment and the, uh, but also the utilization of it yeah. is incredible. Yeah. For example, um, you know, we have hospitals that are providing virtual uh, services now in China, in the United uh, States, in the United Arab Emirates. We have um, digital health applications, for example, such as uh, MWell, that uh, the demand for it increased by 158% since January. 158% increase. Or, for example, uh, Headspace, so wellness apps that provide uh, a little bit of mental, uh, emotional balance in these crazy times, they are skyrocket. At the same time, I see how many governments looking into, uh, for example, chatbot, chatbots applications for patients or, and actually it's just citizens who look for information. So uh, National Health Service in UK, for example, has created a chatbot where you, as a patient or as a as a uh, as a citizen, when you want to have information about COVID nineteen, you don't have to hang on the line waiting for somebody Correct. at your GP to pick up the phone. You just are connected directly with the chatbot. Yeah. Of course, it is a chatbot. Of course, it's not a human interaction. But even this is evolving because we see chatbots from two years ago much more humanized today uh, already and this is also pushing it forward and you can imagine how much relief these digital technologies uh, provide to the uh, all the specialists that are actually now dealing with emergency every day in the in the hospital yeah because suddenly a nurse who was calling on the phone to the patient is replaced in this case uh, by the chatbot so she can help uh, assist the more emergency yeah and this is the beauty of technology today. And, and I think 
um, also the, the incredible attention to looking for solutions in this emergency situation will also push more and more innovators yeah. and researchers and scientists to think fast and to act fast and to deliver, to create and deliver new yeah. technology. Yeah. Because, you know, we have uh, usual accelerators like mine or like many other, but you also have now many initiatives, many call for projects, call for solutions, hackathons, challenge uh, contests and so on at the European Commission level, yeah. at the United States um, disease control level, at the, at the WHO level. So it is really time for innovation to, yeah. to happen, to be pushed through because of the emergency that we are facing. Yeah, And, and of I course think later, hopefully when everything is uh, calming down and, and subsiding, I think the technology will also will be not as scary as it was before because yeah. we will be really we would have been witnessed the advantages of it. Um, and I think also what no you choice. said. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. No, now we had no choice. Now we had to. We have to use it because of simply there are no resources alternatively. But I think we are seeing clearly that this is actually working and this is actually helping yeah. and, and can be also what you say combined with the human touch and, and real face-to-face -face interaction can be a very nice way to complement uh, the traditional healthcare provision. Absolutely. And I think what you just said before, I think is a very, very crucial point that it's not just we're pushed everybody's pushed to to think about how we, how we can do it but also the client is accepting of using it because the best app doesn't help if it's not being downloaded right and of course there is also what we struggle a bit sometimes that there is like so much online now that people try yeah to find valuable information or there is like mm -hmm. fake news or so-called experts that just like did a course or they're just shouting what they hear on the street but I think we really need to concentrate on the positives and on the push forward because there is always something negative and there is always something that is not ideal. But we're forced to even all generation and all levels of society are forced to use technology. And for example, the chatbots, what you're saying, even I was struggling the other day where I was like, okay, there's so much government information. Me as a, as a business owner, how can I apply for funding? And uh, the Chamber of Commerce in Holland, in Amsterdam, they have a WhatsApp service. And the same with the World Health Organization. In the beginning, they were yeah. one of the first ones. They said, like, just chat on WhatsApp and we have, like, a bot. We give you a, a menu, which is automated. But still, it gives me the feeling I'm being heard and I'm, I'm, yeah. I can go further. And the one with the Chamber of Commerce, there was an actual person answering me within 10 minutes. And normally I would sit on the line waiting and just waiting and sitting and wasting my time. So I think yeah, the moment at the moment is just, yeah, it's, it's amazing for new things to happen. I think it really will be a, such a crucial moment into like new directions for sure. Yeah, totally agree. And, and we shouldn't be scared of, of uh, competition or yeah. overwhelming yeah. Uh, possibilities of choices because it also crystallizes with time. The quality is always the differentiating factor, yeah. even in this case. And of course, if we move further into um, regulatory restrictions, into certifications, into uh, all the regulations that are related to mobile applications deployment, that's where the quality will also be the main requirement. Yeah. 
what 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 can you how can you prove me that what you provide what you do with your app or with your um, online uh, services is is a, a good quality yeah. for the patient yeah. and as i said you know in the countries where um, digital health is being now slowly starting to be reimbursed uh, they have strict guidelines and strict standards for it um and this is a good beginning yeah uh, for example, in UK, NHS has digital health library, which is their applications that are endorsed by the National Health Service uh, for patients that, you know, they, the, the, the applications have been tested. They have been uh, proven through clinical trials that they are uh, safe, that they are effective. And so as a patient, you can go to this library and choose if you have certain concerns or healthcare problems or diseases. Yeah. You have certain applications that are endorsed by the government. So, yes, uh, there is a lot of it, but I think quality will be the determining factor. And, and 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 again, we have more and more patients who are very well informed. Yeah. So you cannot just go by without with selling air. You have to step up. You have to give quality. Yeah. And we have to trust the process, right? Because again, coming back to what, what we just said before, it's also if there is more on the market, people will become more educated already also like of how to use it and how to choose. So we need, it will be a long process because there will always be some rotnecks in between. But then it's like, we need to trust the process. And if we always, that's what I mean by the negativity, if we just see the obstacles on the way, well, then we might as well just leave it. But if we just see, oh, there is a way around it and we have to overcome it and we will fall down, but we get up and then we just do it again and become better. I, I do believe it. And I think it's just an amazing road ahead of us. I mean, yeah. not forgetting the facts, but there is a lot of opportunity right now for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was amazing to talk to you, Aurelia. And every time I just get, whenever I talk to you, I have like a thousand ideas that I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, we should do this and we should do this. So yeah, it's just so inspiring to talk to you. So yeah, thank you so much for your time. Likewise. And thank you for what you're doing, because I think uh, initiatives like these uh, are very, very important now. You know, stories of real people yeah. who are doing the real work, who have their hands dirty in, in the in the process, who try to innovate every day. Yeah. I look at your feed and I'm like, wow, and she's doing this and that. And there's just so much innovation where you really uh, exit in your comfort zone, which is yeah. meaning growing as well, right? And, and it's very inspiring as well. So thanks for what you're doing. Well, thank you, I guess. In, and that's like where I say, like as cheesy as it sounds, teamwork makes the dream work, right? As long as we're all working together, that's, uh, yeah, beautiful yeah. things are ahead, I think. Well, thank you so much. Have a good day, Aurelia. Thank you. You too. Thank you.